our money is already making impact by default. It's in, it's flowing in the systems. We're already spending it. We're already investing it. We're already banking. It's already making impact. So when we bring a consciousness to that and a clarity of how we're acting within those systems, then we can direct it to make the kind of impact that we want it to make. And by default, these systems are set up, we know, by patriarchy, capitalism, and white supremacy and imperialism. If you, but let's, you know, it's particularly the three, patriarchy, capitalism, white supremacy. So by default, these systems are mean the kind of default impact our money is making is more negative than positive. I believe that what we do as women in the privacy of our own minds is the single greatest determinant of our lives. I'm Emma Title, and you are listening to the Women Today podcast, where we are unpacking and investigating the new female psychology. I am a psychotherapist, coach, and teacher who is passionate about women's internal and external freedoms. You are in the right place if you want to hear in-depth stories about women's lives. On this show, we dig deep into the minds and hearts of women to understand what it really takes to heal, to grow, and to experience psychological freedom so that we can create lives of authenticity, fulfillment, and contribution. This is a place to receive nourishment, inspiration, and guidance as we continue to show up for the complexity and nuance of our lives as women. I'm so glad that you're here, and let's get started with today's episode. Hi, and welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the podcast. I'm so excited to be continuing this month's conversation around women and money. These conversations are lighting me up, and I'm getting lots of feedback from you all that we are really striking a chord here with this important conversation. So before I introduce today's guest to you all, I want to just remind you that for the month of March, I am doing a free book giveaway for anybody who leaves a rating and a review for Women Today over on Apple Podcasts. And as a quick reminder, if you just head on over there, leave a rating and a review, and then email a photograph of the rating and the review to emma at emmatitle.com along with your mailing address, I'm going to put my favorite women and money books in the mail for you so that you can enjoy a whole bundle of information, education, and inspiration for your money life as a woman. Thank you so much in advance. And I really hope you leave that rating and review so that I can send you my appreciation in the form of a gift in the mail. Okay, so today we've got Carrie B. Van Winkle on the show, and she is a certified financial planner. She's the trusted advisor for smart women who are consciously investing their money to create positive change in their lives and in the world. She is a socially responsible investment advisor with the nationally recognized impact investing firm, Natural Investments. Carrie supports her clients as they navigate sudden money experiences such as divorce, loss of a parent, spouse, or other loved ones so that they are clear and more confident to take action in their money lives in a way that is aligned with their values. Carrie hosts the Smart and Soulful Money podcast, 
which I highly recommend. It's an awesome place to continue the conversation around money and women. And she explores the intersection of our relationship to money, feminism, activism, spirituality, and sustainability. I love Carrie. She is exactly as her business is called, smart and soulful. I met her many years ago. We were in a business mastermind together and I was instantly drawn to her. She has a quiet power about her and she knows the world of socially responsible investing inside and out. And if you don't even know what that term is, we're going to dive deep into it today in the conversation with Carrie. It is a very exciting and powerful realm that I think we don't talk about enough as women about the impact and the, the capacity that our money has that it can make in terms of creating a world that we want to live in that feels more just, more ecologically sustainable, and more fair overall across the board. So this conversation goes deep into what socially responsible investing is, what it looks like, and also really practical and small ways that we can start to change our money lives as women, even if we're not at the stage of being investors. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I enjoyed having it, and I'll look forward to connecting next week. Carrie, welcome to Women Today. I'm so, so happy to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Emma. I'm very happy to be here. Well, I know we have so many very rich and important conversations to get into. And, you know, the listeners got to hear a little bit about your professional background and the kind of work you do in the world. And so I'm wondering if we can start with a little bit of a more personal slice of you and some of the important things that have happened along your journey that have led you to becoming the socially responsible investment advisor and certified financial planner that you are today. Yes. It's hard to know how to pinpoint, you know, some of those things, but some things definitely stand out. I definitely don't have that just one moment kind of thing, you know, in my unfolding past that kind of got me to where I am today. But there are some clear things, you know, I remember, for example, growing up in a household where money was very much used for power and control. And growing up within a religious, getting a lot of religious messages that were about money as a negative, you know, it's easier for a man to pass through the eye of a needle, you know, <laughs> than to get into heaven, a rich man to pass through the eye of a needle than to get into heaven kinds of things. So immersed in kind of from a very young age, being able to see how immersed I was in negative messages around money and also kind of this working class ethic, um, which I think a lot of times that, um, the messages around money are people with money are blah, blah, fill in the blank. And it's a negative description. And there's a righteousness to the struggle around money. You know, so all of these layers that I was growing up within and also um, in the middle of that, having this very personal experience of money, especially as I got older, but really, you know, as I became a teenager and got my first kind of real job of um 
you know, W-2 job, then I started to really feel, I had always had a very independent personality and I started to really feel how uh, empowering that was to have this check coming in and be able to make some choices in my life because of that and have bits of control in my life because of that. And that just felt very pot, like a very positive thing for me. And also uh, realizing like, I didn't think about this until much later in my adulthood, you know, looking back, I did my own taxes from the age of 16, you know, and wow. Yeah. So from the first time I had to do taxes, I, I figured it out and did my own taxes up until just a handful of years ago when I just decided I can do this, but I, I don't need to be doing that. I need to be doing other things. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, wanting to, um, an undergrad loving accounting at, coming out of high school is one of my favorite classes as was psychology and thinking I was going to double major in accounting and psychology and then people looking at me funny, like, you don't do that. You know, and my parents didn't go to college. So I think I was extra susceptible to like people looking at me funny about choices I was making about college. So, you know, all these moments I can look back on. And then, you know, um, you're, you know that I have my master's in social work and I decided to focus not on accounting, but on psychology and then and then in so, to social work and um, let's see. So really the thing for me about how social workers approach creating change is twofold. It's about personal change also within the understanding and acknowledgement of bigger structures and the change that must be made within those structures. So I really, I didn't even realize how much uh, that resonated with me, but it did. And that's why I chose social work, I think. Um, ultimately. And I got out of that program and started working within a nonprofit setting on uh, community change and nonprofit leadership. And I got had these opportunities, kind of serendipitous opportunities to run programs that were around personal finance. So free tax preparation was a big one that I ran for almost a decade and got really deep into that and I discovered the power that it seemed to have in people's lives when they felt more knowledgeable and somebody would take the time to talk with them to help them understand things that they didn't think they could understand about their money life and and then it I went deeper into personal finance work still in nonprofits um where I was running first a uh, home ownership program for first time home buyers. Wow. You know, the first time a family, a, you know, a single mom had ever saved $500. And then the power of that for her, that she could do that. And then the possibilities that that opened up. I mean, just to witness it, be there in the room and witness it. Like I'm getting cold chills now. Me too. And yeah. And, um, and then the education piece of that, again, just, you know, at that point, that was like early 2000s. So there, the, the information was not as easy to get as it is now for some people, you know. And so um, I was just having this progression of experiences that ultimately led to me getting really clear about my work, what my work is in the world. And that is to help people, particularly women, 
in their whole money life, um, engage in a way that feels aligned with who they are and what matters to them in the world. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I know there's probably, there definitely is so much more, but what's so powerful for me um, listening to parts of your story, and I want to highlight this for the listener, is just how the seeds, the threads of this interest and money as a, as a powerful tool, you know, the disempowerment or the power around it. And then also this, this exchange between the individual and then the larger systems has been with you since a very young age. And then you've sort of been twisting and turning with all the phases of life. And now here you are in this work and it makes so much sense. Yes. And I want to add to that too, that just because I did my own taxes, you know, from the age of 16 doesn't mean I had total confidence in myself in making choices around money and navigating my money life. It was, I did not in many ways. And, um, when I had my own versions of a windfall, for example, um, in 2000, I was in this car accident, which was pretty traumatic, had a collapsed lung and a fractured Mm. pelvis. And then, so I received a insurance settlement from that. And that was this experience of a windfall, you know, a financial transition that I had very personally. And in that experience, my, I thought, I don't, I don't know what to do with this. I, I don't know what to do about this. And I did brainstorm, like, here's what I think I might do. Here's a scenario. You know, with this money, I might do this, 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 and this. And But I felt very insecure about those choices. I didn't want to mess it up, this opportunity. And so I called my grandfather. I did not think about calling either of my grandmothers. I did not think about asking my mother. I, My grandfather, one of the patriarchs of our family, he was like the the... He, I thought he would know how to guide me wisely. And it was such an interesting conversation. I still feel it in my heart. Like he was loving, but he had no good advice for me. He didn't really know how to help me navigate that. And I just had these assumptions about how like proficient he was in navigating money because of his life that I could see. But anyway, I I think it just, now I can look back and see how it really reinforced like the plan you created for yourself, Carrie was a very, even at that age, early twenties, you know, mid twenties, it was a very smart plan. And, and my patriarch couldn't have, done a better job. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the wise patriarch. So I, I think uh, that's a message that I continue to carry with me. Yeah. I mean, I have chills again hearing that because that is such a common experience, you know, working with women in my own experience where it's like, there's some default where we, we imagine that there's some man in our family or a professional or an external source that is going to make better decisions or know more than we're capable of knowing. And so that's such a profound story that you, so what happened? You didn't take his advice and you went on your own path? See, or what? It was really, I was kind of disappointed in the time. I really thought he would like 
meet me in the conversation and really, you know, he was a very well, like if, you know, he was a well-regarded man in our community and um, he had external signs of financial success, you know, that uh, it just seemed like he would meet me in that conversation. And I didn't really feel met. I feel like, you know, he, his response was kind of disappointing I hate to say that I love him, you know, but it was kind of disappointing that he didn't engage in that conversation in a way that I was looking for. And he, he, it was just kind of like, well, I I don't know what I can tell you. And, you know, it sounds like it's about his knowledge and competence and expertise because of these external indicators that I had about who he was, but he didn't know either. He had no idea. And in a way, maybe he had less idea than I did. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. This is really powerful. And I feel like a beautiful place to transition um, because then here you are today and your work focuses on women aligning getting super aligned in their money lives, being very educated, empowered, and and knowing how to conduct themselves there. So can you talk to us about how you support women and what that looks like? Yes. So I, you know, there's this kind of uh, found some foundational concepts, I think, to my approach, and I can talk about those. And then there's like the, the, um, the practical side of how that translates into the work that I do with the women that I work with. So some of the foundational concepts are um, money, using money as a sacred tool. And why this is important for me is U.S. culture, you know, when it comes to the messages we've gotten about money. And um, a lot of us are bringing a lifetime of pretty negative messages around money into our money lives and our relationship with money, unless we are really doing the work to transform that. And I know you're talking with Barry Tesler is a part of this month. And um, to me, she's really one of the key people that I have learned from and also connect other people with to help figure out how to navigate that transformation. How do we transform our relationship with money? Um, So again, a sacred tool, money is a sacred tool. I I think people can even have like a default negative reaction to that. Like what? Using money and sacred in the same sentence even seems like um, not a thing you do. You know, <laughs> but, yeah, like it's somehow going against God or spirituality or sacredness to talk about money, to care about money, to relate, yes. to really like money or any of those things. Yes, exactly. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And and the where I've gotten to now in my relationship with money and what I really see is possible is um, a lot of people who, like you said, I think a lot of people who are trying to do good work in the world, who are spiritual or religious, uh, or not just who uh, are activists, who uh, uh, 
work in areas of social justice and social change, the, you know, people who come from a combination of, or, you know, some of those um, ways of being in the world and doing in the world, uh, a lot of times money has been something that is kept, we keep our distance from, because it can only be a, a, a negative thing, a bad thing, used for, and yes, it has been, we know, I mean, so much of what we know so much about money and how it has been used for, like I said, per, very personally for power and control in families, in relationships, how it has been used for so much harm to people in our planet over so, you know, as long as money has existed. And I also know and see every day how when people bring their values into their money life and are able to do that more consciously, that there are important ways that we, what I would say is, I'd even say we must, that we must use our money for better, for good. And it is very imperfect. So this system that we're in and engaging with money in this way it's just like anything else. It's only imperfect action. And what I believe and know, I, I, feel, I know this, I feel like I know this in my heart to be true is um, that, thank you, Oprah. I think that was <laughs> something from Oprah. But what, what I do know in my heart to be true is that the only change we create in the world is through imperfect action. Yes. And so money creating change using this sacred tool of money is true as much as anything else is true about creating change in the world. I love this so much, Carrie. And I, you know, this is very much, I would say the edge of development that I'm on is um, how, how do I get as conscious and as intentional about any money that passes through me or leaves me about how to use it in this sacred way. And so can you give us some examples either from your own life or the lives of the women that you work with about how we start to make money more of a sacred tool as opposed to a harmful uh, energy or harmful domain of life? Yes, 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 yes. So I mentioned that, you know, there are these fun foundational concepts like money as a sacred tool can be used as a sacred tool and then the practical implementation of that. And so visual uh, called the empower your money for good framework and we can share it. Um, is it just a link to a direct link to a PDF if you'd like? Wonderful. We'll put that in the show notes for everyone. Yeah. And it just gives this really simple, if you picture even a flower, like a sunflower, and you think of the petals as they go around the flower. So this framework really is just each of those petals, each of each of those pieces is another area of our money life and how we can bring our values into those areas. And so those areas include uh, how, of course, I think the first one people think of is how we spend our money. So what are we buying? And I think a lot of us, probably a lot, if not all of us, you know, who listen to your podcast, Emma, at some point, we, we've we already been, not at some point, 
we have already been doing this one. We've already been deciding to spend our money at the farmer's market and not at the Walmart grocery store. We've already decided, um, you know, it's different for everybody. And, and again, it's imperfect action. So it's not like we can do all of this perfectly, but it's really just how we we feel like the next choice, the next steps for us in moving forward. So it, so mine are food, it, you know, the choices are have around food is a big one for me. Um, whether that be local farmers or uh, better food systems, eth- more ethically treated people who work within our food systems, you know, all of those different things come into play when I'm making, food, you know, how I spend money on food. Um, it might be around clothes. It might be around, you know, there's just so many ways we can focus how we're spending our money or not spending our money, how we don't buy certain things or don't shop in certain places. I think that's another big one for us, you know. So that's one pedal, if you will, mm-hmm. how how we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And then another is how we, where we bank is another great one that most people have a, a financial institution that they bank with, you know, where that is can really impact. So, and I would say, let me also bring in a, another key concept, which is our money is already making impact. Mm. Is say that again. Our money is already making impact by default. It's in, the, it's flowing in the systems. We're already spending it. We're already investing it. We're already banking. It's already making impact. So when we bring a consciousness to that and a clarity of how we're acting within those systems, then we can direct it to make the kind of impact that we want it to make. And by default, these systems are set up, we know, by patriarchy, capitalism, and white supremacy and imperialism, if you but let's, you know, it's particularly the three, patriarchy, capitalism, white supremacy. So by default, these systems are mean the kind of default impact our money is making is more negative than positive. Okay. I just have to pause you there because I'm getting full body rushes. And this is so, I want people to get this on such a deep level that like, we cannot extract ourselves from using needing participating with money like we're we all need to exchange with money on one level or another but we can have more intentionality and choice about how we engage and operate with money so that we're not defaulting to those systems of patriarchy white supremacy and what was the third one you said uh capitalism capitalism yeah and i would say Way I talk about capitalism, just you know, uh, is I think we've just gotten ourselves to this very most toxic, I even say cancerous version of capitalism. Yeah, um, where it's hard to see the the positive ways that capitalism, you know, can. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I don't want to. I don't know that I want to get into that side of the conversation too much today, but. Um, just know that that's kind of where I'm rooted, obviously, as a financial planner. <laughs> I'm not mm-hmm. completely outside of, you know, uh, the structure of capitalism, but I very much believe that my work in the world, I believe in the importance that some change makers completely work outside of the system mm-hmm. and other change makers have to be within the system itself. 
okay. to kind of set the stage for change, to start creating the spaces for change to happen that, you know, interplay together to ultimately create that bigger change we want. Beautiful. So you would view yourself and your work as inside of the system because you're in the financial services industry and yet you're choosing to approach it from this much more socially responsible, conscious framework. Yes. Am I getting that right? Yes. Inside the system and at the at the edges in a way, at the at the forefront of yes, creating and leading change within the system. Our firm, Natural Investments, is very much a firm that is part of creating change within the, the system. Yes. And also I'd have to say outside, we do some work that's out, what I, w- what I would say is outside of the system um, in the view of some people. So we are really, you know, in that holding the space there for what's possible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so just to make sure I'm getting this, there's the ways that we spend money. There's the ways that we um, bank there's the ways that we invest money. We haven't talked about that yet, but even if we try not to, we're all our money and our money behaviors are already impacting the world. And so we have this choice about how we want to impact. Am I getting you right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then it does, you know, I'd say another kind of core concept for me or, key to the work that I do is that it does matter. I think people will say, oh, it doesn't really matter. You're not really creating change, you know, but I I can give so many examples of where it does matter. And yeah, sometimes it does feel like whack-a-mole, but if you look at any real change, and again, that's just kind of the you know, deep conversations we probably don't have time for today, but just look at any real change that's happened in humankind. And um, that's how it happens. It's not this perfect, like one magic bullet thing, you know, that creates suddenly rainbows and, you know, (laughs) flowers are blooming. Like it's really like this process of of finding the, it's like, I think of it as ecosystem of change, finding the places where we can impact impact the change and then putting and then putting energy into those places in a very intentional way. Yeah, and so let's go back if it's okay. Like you said, then of course this very practical thing that I do, this is my kind of key focus in the world is helping people with their investment choices. So when I particularly work with uh, women who have inherited And so it's this great opportunity, but also challenge of suddenly finding themselves responsible for money that uh, they may have expected or may not have expected. And then the, the challenge, there are more challenges than people realize that come with that experience. And so I help them um, create a way to engage with their investments, to invest Um, that is more aligned with what matters to them in the world and who they are while still honoring and being smart about the investment choice, honoring how they inherited or how that money came into their lives and being smart. They want to be smart about what they're doing with this money. And also they want it to align with what matters to them. So really helping through socially responsible investing, um, really helping women 
um, yeah. Yeah, I love this so much. And can you, for those who may not be familiar with it, Carrie, can you say exactly what socially responsible or impact investing is just so we're on the same page language wise? Yeah, so this is one of those areas of conversation where it, you really have to know like who who's talking about it and then how they define it because it can be used a little interchangeably. And so the way I talk about this is the big umbrella term for me and for a lot of us at the firm at Natural Investments is socially responsible investing. So it's the big umbrella. And then under that big umbrella, there can be all these other terms that you might hear like impact investing, ethical investing, conscious investing, and some uh, ESG, which is a big one now that you'll see if you read articles about socially responsible investing, you usually see uh, these this acronym ESG, which is environmental, social, and governance. Um, and so I will just, you know, so each of those may have its own take on what they mean by that particular, you know, green investing, obviously that's going to be more on the environmental focus than the social side, the people side, but it's all around bringing our values, you know, in the space I work in and our firm works in is typically progressive values, bringing our progressive values into the investment choices that we're making to create more positive impact in the world. Um, and so we do the, the, really there are kind of four, um, four pillars that work together and uh, to create change. And those are, sometimes they're called negative screens, but you might also know divestment. And instead of negative screens, it can be, you know, I think we hear of divesting, divesting from fossil fuels, um, divesting out of, you know, supporting governments that are, you know, from all the, all the way back to apartheid in South Africa, now to, um, I don't know, um, some of the more recent divestment campaigns that are particular to a country, but um, usually if there are, you know, uh, like really terrible human rights violations happening or something like that, divestment can be a tool there. Divestment is used for uh, lots of things. Um, and, uh, you know, some other typical like tobacco companies, for example, is a common one to be divested out of when you do socially responsible investing. And then the, the next of the four pillars, the second of the four pillars is um, positive screens, or sometimes this is called impact investing. And this is really focusing money and capital and resources more on what you want to see more of. So this is um, investing in companies that are doing the things that you want to see more of in the world. Um, and this could be things like um, their employee policies, whether it's supporting, for example, LGBTQIA employees and their po employee policies, um, whether it's how diverse their uh, leadership and their board governance is, um, and whether it's uh, reno like renewable energy. Um, something it's so all the things that we want to see more of that's that second piece of the approach and then the third is um, shareholder advocacy which is a really important one and really powerful and that's where shareholders come together and leverage the power that they have 
to voice their desire for change in practices within the company. So it could be um, a pharmaceutical company and their ethical practices. It could be, um, you know, there's a lot of work that's been done around uh, a lot of shareholder advocacy work that's been done around um, palm oil plantations in Indonesia and the effect that it's having on people living there and the planet. Um, the, the environment there and then the ripple effects that that is having in the bigger planet, you know, animals that are being impacted by that there, you know, and so shareholder advocacies really come in to stop that train and try to try to make some change there. And there have been some big wins there with that. Um, shareholder advocacy. And then the fourth one is community investing. And this is where we really focus um, getting capital, getting money into communities around the world or in the United States where it's most needed. So usually those are very rural areas of the country or very um, urban areas of the country. And it's a lot of times getting money to small business owners and to first-time home buyers and uh, in other ways to the communities who have often been disenfranchised uh, over time. So let me ask a question about this. I love all of this and thank you for breaking it down. It's so educational. Um, so are you telling me that as an investor, I could actually choose to place my money into things that will grow my money and get more small business loans into more mar marginalized communities? Yes. Okay. So and there, of course, I'm like thinking like, the practical application of that, you know, wanting to get into the nitty gritty of that. But generally, yes. So that broader perspective answer to that question is yes, that our clients do not sacrifice return to do socially responsive investing, because mm -hmm. I think that's the big question that people have is, yes, okay, this sounds all good. This sounds good. But you know, I need to make money. I'm worried about retirement or I'm worried about what, these different money priorities that I have. And that's actually the approach that I have is um, that it's not one or the other, that the kind of two key things that I do with clients are clarify the purpose of money in their life. What work does that money need to do in their life for them and their loved ones? And that is just as important and held together with what are their values and how do they want their values to be reflected in their money life? And then I help put those together to create an investment strategy that really incorporates both together. So it's not one or the other. It's a both and. And to your question of some of these investments fit a different place within your overall investment strategy. And some of the community investments, which is what you described, I heard you kind of describe more of like investing in small business, you know, uh, a community investment that supports small business owners around the United States. For example, typically those are within um, the community investment uh, types of investing and uh, those typically are more on the fixed income side of your investments, which means those are not the biggest performers in your portfolio. Mm -hmm. And that's fine. That's, there's always a place on the fixed income side for a more stable, but less, you know, less return. 
Mm-hmm. And that's a pretty normal part of someone's overall portfolio, you know. So anyway, I, I just want to be transparent there and make sure I'm responding. That might be too much, Emma. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. I mean, I think so this is all amazing. And so I wanna I wanna take one step back, um, just because I know all the listeners are gonna be coming in from different standpoints. Some are gonna be inheritors. Some are going to be high earners. Some are going to be just trying to figure out how to meet their monthly bills and they don't identify as being an investor. Either they don't identify or they actually aren't investors yet. And so I guess I have a few questions on this. And one is, let's say there are women who are listening who they have a 401k. Maybe they they're, they work for themselves and so they've opened it and they give a certain amount of money every year or a Roth. And then other women who are listening, maybe they have a job and they've signed up for their 401k with their employer. So they're kind of going through the motions of what you're quote unquote supposed to do to save for retirement. Um, But they don't feel like investors or they don't feel this clarity or empowerment that you're describing. What can they do to start shifting the needle so that they feel like their money is making the impact that more of the impact that they want, like you're saying, as opposed to the default impact, which is white supremacy, patriarchy, and toxic capitalism. Mm-hmm. So if uh, to, to start with something that I think can apply to everyone, if they're, if you're not yet an investor or that just feels a bit overwhelming for your bandwidth, right now to think about the investment piece of your money life, then you can't, you know, just start, just do a bit more with how you're, what you're buying choices you have around how you spend your money. I love that. Okay. So start there. yeah, Yeah. So that might feel like the more manageable place to start for now. Also how you're giving, I haven't mentioned that one yet, but how you give. So sometimes the impact that we want to have the better place to create the impact is how we're giving, not necessarily how we're investing. Um, and uh, there are reasons for that, but I'll just say like the lower hanging fruit is how we're giving. And so, for example, when I'm engaging my money to create change when it comes to racism in our country, there are certain ways that I give that complement the ways I'm investing. You know, so giving, spending, and then banking. Banking can be the other one where most anybody has the opportunity to choose where they, you know, where they're banking and what that bank is supporting, what that financial institution is supporting. And there are actually a few resources online that people could go to. One of them is Better Banking Options. And we can provide the link for that. That was going to be my question is how do we know what is a better bank? Yeah. Better banking options is one. Okay. Um, and they they have a, re, a searchable directory. They also have this hand curated list that they've created for black led banks around the country. Black led financial institutions is one particular focus for where you might want to move your money. Um, but there are others, you know, uh, local. Uh, they do a lot of work around making sure money is in your local community rather than like siphoned off by Bank of America or Chase or something. Um, so anyway, that's in the, that's a space. Okay, now let's go to, if you do wanna take some action, make, make some shifts in how you're investing um, and you feel ready to do that, 
then if you're an employee, that's going to be one thing. So if you're an employee with a 401k, you're given the menu of investment choices. And so you really have to just pick what's within that menu. So a lot of times what we recommend is you ask for choices that are considered socially responsible in some way. Um, or you sometimes they're actually on the menu now, you know, the, just we've seen so much growth in the space of socially responsible investing that um, sometimes you do find those choices available that you might not have realized. Um, so that could be one approach if you're an employee with a 401k. Now, if you're a business owner um, that has your own retirement account that you have more control over the choices with, or if you uh, have for different reasons, you have investment accounts, retirement accounts outside of your 401k at work, then um, which lots of people do, they might have their 401k at work and then they have a Roth IRA or something, you know, on top of that. Or you might have these old, I call them orphaned accounts, you know, from old jobs that don't really get your attention. That's a perfect opportunity to like it is spring. This is a good spring cleaning exercise, in my opinion, is like, let's get all those accounts combined where you can combine them and moved into a, a place that feels more aligned for you. And um, you're you feel like it's more in your orbit. You're more engaged with them, um, that they're not just kind of out there. You're, you know, not. Yeah, not not just hanging out there. So. Once you, okay, so with, with those groups, when you have a little more control and say over where your investment account is and how that investment account is managed or invested, then um, if you have, if, if you're starting from zero or have a pretty low uh, amount in there for now, so I would say uh, less than $5,000, then there are more and more resources online. You have to be you have to do your due diligence on these. You can't just move all your money. You know, I would say, you know, that my two cents is please don't move all your money to something you haven't done some due diligence on how it's invested. Because again, it's not just about the alignment. It's about the practical side of, so I've seen some of these online places that you can't, that look really nice. The website looks great. They're marketed really well. The message is there around, for example, environmental, sustainable kinds of investments. And then people put a lot of money there and they don't realize it's all in stocks. And that might be appropriate for them, but it might not be appropriate to have all their retirement money in all stocks, you know? So we want to be sure that the, you know, the fit is right for you. So, but there are uh, like Elevest, so we're talking particularly to women. Um, Elevest has a great, home, you know, place, you can go to their website. And I'm not, the disclaimer here is I'm not used LFS directly, but I've been watching them over the years and I've looked into them for people. And from what I can tell, that's a good starter place. If you want to be more engaged with your money, they seem like they've built a good hub for it. And they seem to be a, a prudent place to put some money and have it Put some investment dollars and have it uh, better aligned with your values. That's great to know. I I haven't put any money in uh, with Elevest, but I use them as a resource. Oh, good. 
for education. And I just love what they're up to. So that's good to know that it's not only about women, it's also about socially responsible, aligned investing. So that's wonderful. They've built that out better and better over time. Okay. Yeah. And it's not the perfect end-all be-all option, but it's a good one for someone who's starting out Mm -hmm. their investment accounts. Um, If you have 5,000 or more already built up in your investment accounts, we have something through Natural Investments called our uh, Schwab has this at Charles Schwab, there are these, uh, intel- they call them intelligent portfolios. But basically, we have our natural investments version of intelligent portfolio at Schwab, where we use our investment strategies appropriately. You know, the ones that are the appropriate fit, we use our investment strategies um, and have them available there so that you don't have to pay to work directly with an advisor. And $5,000, you know, a $5,000 minimum. So that can be another option for people um, if that feels like the right fit for them. And then, yeah, I was just going to say that's. I want to highlight that. That's a great option because, um, you know, for some people listening, $5,000 is going to seem really out of reach. But for other people listening, you know, a lot of places have like a $1 million minimum to to start working with them as an investment. So for some perspective, I just want to say a $5,000 minimum is is a nice kind of low barrier to entry. That's what we wanted. And actually the 5,000 minimum was not ours. We did not set that. That's to, to get on the Schwab platform, their intelligent portfolio platform. That's their minimum. So, um, but yeah, we, we wanted to provide something that opened up our, some of our kind of core investment strategies to, um, a bigger, uh, to more people that really want to access them um, because the need is out there. Uh, and then there are more, you know, our firm, and then there are other firms out there that um, are really doing this well. And so the way our firm works is um, it's based on uh, the amount of investment assets that you want the advisor to manage for you. And so like you mentioned, there is a minimum and that each advisor sets their own minimum. And so some advisors do have a $50,000 minimum. So that's a fair, you know, in our industry, that's a, a pretty modest minimum to have. So if, you know, we do have advisors, you can go to our website and find the advisors who do have different minimums, you know, and see if that's a good fit for you. Um so that can be an option. And then if you do want to work directly with an advisor and you don't have, for example, you can't find an advisor that has the right minimum to fit what you need, but you want to work directly with an advisor, that's where um, an investment firm called Revalue Investing and it's revalueinvesting.com. And I, again, I've not worked with them directly, but I've heard good things about them from some other advisors at our firm. Um, to feel confident enough to to share their site with you. So they don't have an asset minimum, an investment asset minimum to work with them. Um, they're structured a little differently. So, and they do some good work around socially responsible investing from what I can tell. Okay, that's all. Thank you for those resources. I'm going to mm-hmm. put links to all of that and that will be really helpful. So Carrie, I want to, I want to just kind of go a little more meta again and bring some of the different pieces you've been talking about together. But from your perspective, why is it critical that women become 
confident, savvy, educated investors. Yeah. So I hate to use this phrase, but it is so true that now more than ever, you know, now more than ever, it is the opportunity that we have as women, particularly uh, women in, uh, you know, we're, we're both in the United States. So women in countries like the United States that now legally have the opportunities to access money in ways that for so long we did legally even not have options for. So, you know, just I think the year before I was born, legally my mom could not get a loan by herself. Talk about patriarchy. She had to have a male co-signer to access money, a loan for a mortgage, a loan for a car. I mean, imagine a credit card. Imagine all the ways that we we now have access. Um, Not to mention like, you know, so much more about work and earning potential and all of those things that we still have a long way to go, but we've come a long way too since. But it hasn't, I think we've come a long way and we have to remember it hasn't been that long. And we're still working through a lot of that baggage that we carry forward in our culture and in our society and our systems um, around women and access to money. And access to money means access to power. And access to power means access to affect change. So to me, that's why it matters. Access to make choices and affect change very personally in our own lives and also for those we love and in the bigger world. Thank you. I Yeah, I just feel such a resonance and want to double click on everything you're saying that it's... Um, it's like even a lot of the women that I work with, they, they work, you know, they earn money and, and there are many of them are professionals, not all of them. But so there is that capacity to now have money come directly into their personal sphere, but without this next step of the consciousness around spending and giving and particularly investing, it's like, we're still at a major disadvantage. And so this, I just get so fired up as you're talking about the, the access to power and then the, the power to affect change, both in our individual microcosms, but then in this, on this macro level that it's like literally by choosing where I bank or how my 401k is invested, I can, my money can extend way out beyond just my monthly or yearly expenses. It goes it goes and starts rippling out into the world and leaving a better world, even if it's imperfect, as you're saying. Yes. Yes. And I would just add to that. So for, you know, the, the opportunity, why it's so important for us to be doing this now, there's the opportunity that exists. And part of that opportunity is there's all this, uh, you can easily find articles about how um, women are coming into money, money is, you know, coming into money more now, very significantly in the, within the next 10 years. It might even be less than that now because these articles have been out for a few years. So in, in this decade, women are coming into more money than they've ever had access to 
in the history of money, you know, <laughs> I would say. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I have seen and what I feel very strongly about is that we need to be ready and open to embracing and engaging with that opportunity, whether it's because we have successful businesses or whatever reason that money is coming into our lives now, we need to be ready and open to engaging with it in a way that we feel confident about and we feel like is aligned with us. And historically, I think the female experience has been we have we didn't have a choice. It was not, it was not a choice. Our power, what we had came through other ways. And I think then what the reflex can be now for us is to abdicate the opportunity to abdicate that power to, like I said, who did I call my grandfather, the patriarch. And so to abdicate, and I see it so much, you know, the power of being abdicated to someone who we think knows better and will do better than we feel like we know or would do. And I don't mean find a good trusted professional who you can work with. I don't mean you have to do this all on your own, because I think that also is something that women are really hard on themselves about. They think, well, I know how to do this and I have this degree or what, you know, I've accomplished this or I've been resilient in my life and lived through this, I should be able to do this stuff with money. I should know how to do this. And um, they really judge themselves. I have found that women, I think more than men, tend to judge themselves harshly when it comes to their relationship with money and what they should be able to do on their own. And so they don't always get the support that's now out there for them, or they don't get support that really honors who they are and centers them in their money life. So they'll work with the advisor that they inherited, basically, you know, from the, from the, fam- the family advisor that doesn't honor who they are and really does the opposite a lot of times. Or they'll um, try to just pull up their bootstraps and figure it out on their own. And uh, that can really cause a lot of suffering and um, self-harm you know, in a way for women to expect that of themselves. And then this abdication, just like my brother knows better. My husband knows better. My dad knows better. This professional guy, you know, that I'm working with seems like he definitely, he'll know better than me, but I don't feel like he honors who I am or what matters to me, but he's going to do a better job. You know, like these are ways that we can abdicate that opportunity of money in our life and therefore really abdicate some important power that we have. I, I'm so deeply appreciating you speaking to all of this. And this is why I love you and your work so much because you understand, it's like you understand the money and the technicalities of money and all these things, but then you go so much deeper. And, and I think to me, that's the deeper, truer empowerment, right? It's like, if we can earn, have the, the jobs where we're earning more money or, you know, now be in professions that we once didn't have access to, but if we're not aligning with the deeper core of our values and who we are and the vision we have for the world, it's actually, we're just buying into the same framework that oppressed us in the first place. 
So it's so much more exciting to me when we talk about that long-term sustainable change. And from my perspective, it, it, it is all the other parts of money, but the investing is what has the greatest potential to do that really. There's a, there's a really important, powerful piece to how investing can impact change in ways that are, are specific to it for sure. Um, and I just do, I, I kind of feel like I do want to go back again to this point of, I don't, women have so much on their plates. You know, it's, co- we're still in the midst of a pandemic and we know how so many ways that's impacted women uh, and put even more on our plates, you know? And um, so I, I don't want this conversation to feel like another burden for anybody. What I want it to do is just spark some thought, spark what, like, and notice, like, what feels, again, what's like the low-hanging fruit for you with this? What feels more inspired rather than a burden? And I think that's where you might start. If you're, if you want to take some action here, or you want to start to shift and make some change, just like notice what feels inspiring and kind of follow that. Um, because otherwise this just becomes one more thing that you should be doing and you're not doing it perfectly. And, and I just don't think that that's what women need is any more burdens. Thank you so much for bringing up that point as well. Cause absolutely. It's like just another thing that we're not doing right. Another reason to beat ourselves up and this invitation toward what is, what in this conversation inspired you? Where do you feel, what is the lowest hanging fruit and what little micro action can you take in your life to move the needle in the direction that you want it to move? Beautiful. And then also, you know, I noticed for me um, where uh, there's, there's stress or overwhelmed and I'll, I'll ask in my money life or just in other areas of my life, like what kind of support I don't, you know, I've always been so independent. I'm really learning as I've kind of gotten into this phase of my life, I would say over the last 10 years, probably I've really started to learn more about how can I get support and where are there, where do I need support in this? And that, you know, like I said, there's more support, like there are more awesome you have to, again, be discerning and do your due diligence, but there are some really awesome supports now that didn't even exist 10 years ago when it comes to women in our money lives. Yeah, absolutely. So Carrie, if people are interested in learning more about you or your work, where can they find you? Yeah, so easily you can find me at carrievanwinkle.com. And um, also there you'll find my podcast, uh, which is Smart and Soulful Money Podcast. And you can look it up. I'm on Spotify and Apple Podcast and lots of the, the places you would listen to podcasts, I think. So I'd love for you to, to come and take a listen there. And um, you can, you know, find out more about how I work with women and connect with me through uh, going to my website as well. Beautiful. And I love your podcast. So I highly recommend that to people as it's just a great you know, if you want to go deeper into hearing the money conversations, I love the voices you've had on there. So thank you. 
Yeah. So Carrie, this has been such a rich and educational and enlightening conversation. And I'm wondering before we wrap up, if you would be willing to publicly celebrate something with us about your financial life, because I feel like in my work in general, this is something I talk about is that we don't, we don't celebrate ourselves or each other enough. And we certainly are uncomfortable doing it publicly. And then when you add money on top of it, like you were talking about, you know, with all these negative inheritances around money being bad or wealth being bad, I just think it's such a shadow. And so if you'd be willing to role model for us and just celebrate the heck out of something about your recent money life, I would love to celebrate with you and the listeners. Yes, I could. I feel, I think Emma, I appreciate you asking that question. I'm usually one of those people that just blows through to the next thing that I need to be doing instead of stopping to celebrate. And I, I do have lots of things to celebrate around that connect to my money life. Um, but one of the things that I'm really feeling a fresh energy around and I'm really feeling excited about is that I have been on this path uh, to better center my own self in my money life and understanding the ways that I have not been centered in my own money life because of external shoulds and perspectives and pressures and rules, you know, um, that I have from, from child on. Uh, and so the way I've moved to centering myself in my money life and a better understanding what matters to me. And this is a thing for me. What do I want and what do I desire? My personality, if you know the Enneagram, I'm the Enneagram one. And these are not questions that Enneagram ones usually give ourselves permission to ask. Yeah. Like what do I want and what do I desire? And that that's not a selfish thing, that that is an important thing. What helps me feel supported? What helps me feel resourced? And then how I've been listening to myself to understand the answers to those questions. And then how I use my voice. I can tend to be, you might not know it from you know our conversation, but I, I can tend to be a very quiet, introverted personality. And so it's really been a path for me, a process for me to then use my voice once I know what I want, to use my voice to ask for that or to put that into the world. And I feel like I've just gotten to this new place, even in the last several months with continuing to like do that for myself and then feel how that resources me to do more of what I want to do in the world, you know? And so that um, feels really exciting. It's so exciting. And thank you for sharing. I, I feel such a heart swell of, um, I feel really touched by what you shared. And I want to highlight it actually to the listeners because it's like, it's not like I have X amount in this bank account or I earned Y amount. It's That's not what you're celebrating, even if those things are going on. It's, it's that you're celebrating the energetic and relational shift of how you are centering yourself and getting more bold in owning your desires in your money life. And, 
And I imagine and how that ripples out in, in the rest of your life. So that is a huge celebration. And thank you for being willing to share that with us. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Okay. So then just to wrap up, if you could send one message, just one little tidbit out to women about their financial lives, what would you most want them to hear? Oh, I have to choose one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you're a free woman. You do what you want. <laughs> I think that if I had to choose one, the the one might be or is going to be that when women engage the power of our money for good, we can change our own lives, those of our loved ones, and create positive change in the bigger world. Thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you for being with us. Thank you, Emma. I love the conversations you're having um, and your teachings on the podcast, your reflections. I've just found them really helpful and um, appreciate what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Today podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and take a moment to leave a rating and a review. The more five-star ratings this podcast gets, the more easily women around the world will be able to access this valuable information. Remember, we each have our unique role to play in this collective uprising for women all over the world. Whoever you are and wherever you find yourself in this moment, there is a deep intelligence to your particular place in the wider web, and we need the specific experiences, insights, and gifts that only you carry. I am sending you my heartfelt strength and support for wherever you are on the journey, and I'll look forward to connecting again next week.